This episode of Star Wars Tonight is brought to you by Geek Fuel. They ship out a mystery box for geeks and gamers every month. Make sure that you get your free bonus Star Wars items with your first box, at least $10 value. Make sure you sign up to the code geekfuel.com slash Star Wars Report. Again, that's the URL, geekfuel.com slash Star Wars Report. And we've got a great show for you lined up as we talk about, well, about the Marvel Cinematic Universe and how Rogue One may launch the Star Wars version of it. Let's do it right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome. Uh, again, it is Star Wars tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. Everybody on the live chat, uh, we are on remote Live from the Georgia Tech campus, uh, it is Star Wars tonight. That's why we don't have the video version. This is on the audio version. But to everybody in the chat who's tuned in live, thank you so much for uh, for swinging by. I'm your host, Riley Blanton. So so excited for today's show. You know, I'm feeling it's kind of I'm feeling kind of chill. Maybe it's because I'm sitting down. I'm not standing up in the in the home studio. Um, maybe it's just because I'm try I'm coping with the events of the last 24 hours politi- politically. <laughs> But we're not Riley, I I think it's because you just ate an irresponsible amount of Korean tacos. Yes. So you're feeling really good right now. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, that's probably it, to be honest. And the man who's pointing out my Korean taco failings, that's Matt Rushing. He's co-hosting the episode today. How's it going, Matt? Oh man, I, I'm with you. Uh I, I was up way too late late last night watching uh election stuff. I'm exhausted. Uh, you know, what a crazy year it's been. I mean, I, I think they said it was something like 500 days or whatnot of, of, of election happenings. And uh, so mm. I'm just glad it's over, uh, you know, yeah. but, um, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, and now we have to try and, and find a way to move on with our lives and, and uh, pray for the best. So. Well, and I know the best way to do it, man. That's that's talk about Star Wars, which Amen. is exactly what we're going to do right now. Now, uh, so we've got quite a bit of ongoing. Uh, uh, we've got a few ongoing news items that I want to highlight today. The first one I want to get to Matt and kind of get your thoughts on is the is J.J. Abrams and specifically uh, we're touching on Force Awakens. In fact, today, folks, we're touching on the Force Awakens. We've got uh, more stuff on the Force Awakens, not just J.J. Abrams, but Steven Spielberg and his input on it. As well as we are, don't forget, we are going to get back and and come full circle on Rogue One. Uh, but I did mission this yesterday, Matt. It's it's weird because there's so much Star Wars going on this time. Star Wars tonight is a lot less singularly focused on one movie. It was all TFA last time, last year, but uh, but this year again, there's so much. Yeah, more. no, you're you're absolutely right. There, I mean, with everything that's happening with Rebels, all that's, I mean, we just got released a brand new Blu-ray for The Force Awakens, you know, books coming out, and, and I comics, it, yeah, th- there's so much Star Wars now, and, I mean, we, we have uh, other films that are already in the works, mm-hmm. so it's just, whew, Nuts. Star Wars overload. Uh, that it is, that it is. Uh, all right, well, evidently, we all have them. Uh, in fact, I'm sure a lot of people... Oh. <laughs> Woke up this morning with them. Regrets. Uh, <laughs> I can't help it, man. Doing the walk of shame. Uh, well, J.J. Abrams has uh, has revealed his biggest regret about The Force Awakens. Now, I know for a fact, because we literally were just pulling together the, the notes on what to talk about tonight, like seconds ago before the show started, Matt. Do you have 
a guess at what J.J. Abrams' biggest regret of The Force Awakens is? I do. And, you know, it, it had been, and I was surprised that this was kind of like a new article, but because just J.J. had come out and said this before about Chewie walking past Leia and not giving her a hug. Yep, that's exactly the one. Uh, there's this piece in Business Insider that highlights a moment from The Force Awakens commentary, which is still making so much news before it's even released. It's not even out until uh, almost a week. Next next Tuesday, the 15th, is when it, it, it's finally released. But, uh, but in the commentary, evidently... <clears throat> Uh, uh, Abrams, and I'm quoting the piece in, in Business Insider here, he addressed the moments that fans have been puzzled by since the film's theatrical re- release last December. Why no hug between Chewbacca and General Leia after Han's death? You know, the, the, there's that big moment. You see his death, the absolute tragedy punctuated by the beautifully tragic action or not action, but reaction, rather, of Daisy Ridley, and then it cuts to Leia as the head goes down. Man, it's such an impactful moment. But, but, upon the opportunity to finally reunite, it's just like, it's the cold shoulder, man. I mean, he can't get a medal. He can't (laughs) get a hug. I mean, what's a Wookiee got to do? It's hard out there for a Wookiee. It's, um, It's hard times. Hard times for Wookiees. <laughs> 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 uh, I love it. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. So uh, after the after the return from the attack on Starkiller Base, Resistance fighters are without one of their legends, Han Solo, killed by Kylo Ren. Uh, and he states in the commentary, "Quote: Are you ready? Here we go. Here's the justification. Straight, uh, straight to the commentary. Quote: My thinking at the time was that Chewbacca, despite the pain that he was feeling," was focused on trying to save Finn and getting him taken care of. So I tried to have Chewbacca go off with him to focus on Rey and then have Rey find Leia and Leia find Rey. The idea being that both of them being strong in the Force and having never met would know about each other. Uh, that Leia would have been told about her beyond what we saw on screen and Rey, of course, would have learned about Leia and the reunion would be a meeting and a reunion all in one and a sort of commiseration of their mutual loss. So, okay, I'm tracking, J.J. I see what you're saying. I see, I, I'm following. But he goes on to say, uh, had Chewbacca not been where he was, you probably wouldn't have thought of it. But because he was right there, passed by Leia, it almost felt like a slight, which was definitely not the intention. So, yeah, no, man. <laughs> che- Chewbacca can't... Maybe, I mean, maybe just Leia has a secret... Is she secretly jealous? Is she... Has Chewbacca always had a corner of Han's heart she could never have for herself <laughs> and in uh, their friendship out well it doesn't have to be that serious I was going into this like deep philosophical relationship question maybe it's just like one of the old college buddies that just never got quite along with uh, with <laughs> with the wife right maybe that's it you know that's a good possibility yeah it's funny the the thought process there is so intricate uh, for what JJ is thinking and you know, part of it with like, you know, about Ray and the Force and Leia and all that. I mean, it it seems very, um, I don't know. It's like that's something that kind of like a fan would think of. 
Yeah. But I I don't know if like a normal person who just has kind of kept up with the films would really be thinking be honest, in man, that much depth. I never even thought about this until I heard one of the Rebel Force radio reaction episodes, reaction podcast episodes where Jimmy Mack pointed it out. And then I thought, oh, man, <laughs> that's, that's funny. That's right, isn't it? That's I did I didn't even think about it. And that's because man, it was so emotionally impactful. I mean, it was the fourth time fourth or fifth time really being honest seeing the force awakens where i actually became not comfortable but i at least prepared i guess is the word i would choose prepared for the moment of han solo's death and even really process what's going around around that climax because honestly the first two times through first two or three times through with the force awakens man there was there's just something about that final act that I, the only thing I could think about or was focused on as a fan, uh, as someone anxiously watching this film, was Han Solo. Just literally. That's all I was thinking about. Um, yeah. No, I, and I, I, think, I think for me, it was one of those things like I came in with this, uh, I think the meta knowledge, you know, Han was going to die. So it's something that I still even when I watch the film, I'm not emotionally invested in. And that makes it a big difference from a lot of other people. And I love that it works for other people. So that's, that's fantastic. It's, it's exactly where JJ wants you to be at that moment. And I'm, I love, you know, hearing that from you, that it it really works from you too. It does. And I am one of those people. It does work for me, but it, it was the, it was the third time and beyond where it really had the impact. Um, and even then, though, I still think there's a missing piece, a missing redemptive mm-hmm. element, because Obi-Wan's death is extraordinarily redemptive because it gives Luke a chance. Yeah, uh, Qui-Gon, yeah right. Qui-Gon's death is enormously redemptive because it gives Obi-Wan a chance in The Phantom Menace. And, of course, Vader's death at the end of Jedi is the penultimate example of, again, what I've always said is the central theme of Star Wars, and that, that's redemption. Um, and, uh, and so when it comes to Han's death, that piece, that puzzle piece hasn't been put in place yet. Well, and I think one of the things that, you know, for me, when you have that kind of relationship, you know, we know that they're father and son because you've told us, but you know, in film, it's always better to show. And because we don't have any flashback scenes in Star Wars, the only thing we got close to that was a forceback scene with Rey. Yeah. We don't have that connection of the relationship between Han and, and Kylo. But, you know, on the other side, I know plenty of people that it, it still works for them because they're parents. And so they understand that very well, you know, that feeling of parent and child and having that kind of black sheep child you're trying to pull back and all that you know so for so many people this this still really works um i i think i would have loved to just had a a little bit more with that relationship so we had a better connection between han and and his son yeah so that there was just a little bit more there but you know what again it works for so many people and that's fantastic no exactly exactly well steven spielberg uh, Steven Spielberg and Star Wars, uh, is it too good to be true? What if he had an influence on that galaxy far, far away? What if I, what if I told you he already has had that influence 
And we're not talking Revenge of the Sith. We're talking Force Awakens. Some new details, interesting on on some inter- <laughs> some interesting ideas, shall we say, that Spielberg brought forth uh, and influenced on the Star on Star Wars: The Force Awakens. And uh, and we're going to tell you guys all about them right after I tell you about this week's uh, t- what's today's. I keep saying that today's sponsor of Star Wars tonight, and that's Geek Fuel. Now. Geek Fuel is awesome. What they do is they ship a mystery box for you, Star Wars fans like you, and of course geeks and gamers. It's a monthly subscription box that has at least fifty bucks worth of value for fifteen bucks plus shipping and handling. So every box has an exclusive T-shirt, five to seven geeky items, a fully downloadable game, and you—that's right, you listening to this right now—can also get a free bonus Star Wars item, at least a $10 value if you sign up through geekfuel.com slash Star Wars Report. That's geekfuel.com slash Star Wars Report. And we do thank Geek Fuel for, uh, for supporting Star Wars tonight. Uh, I was really glad to have them step forward and help support this nightly show because it's nuts and it's really great to have some, some financial support uh, from, from our fine sponsors. So again, that's Geek Fuel and we appreciate you guys. Um, all right, Matt, tell me all about <laughs> Steven Spielberg. What is this craziness? Yeah, this is this is funny. I mean, you know, a lot of fans know the influence that he had on Revenge of the Sith, had some great stuff that he did with that. But this, uh, you know, you have the the crash there in Jakku with uh, Finn and, and Poe. Can't find Poe. He's, he's searching all over with the TIE fighter. TIE fighter gets sucked into the sand. Steven Spielberg's idea is we need to blow that up, too. So he added the explosion, which I think that's a that's just a really funny thing. But I think um, it creates a sense of like danger, you know. Uh, and I, I I think it's actually a good addition because, you know, Finn has nothing left at that moment. There's yeah. absolutely nothing there for him on this planet. It's been sucked up, blown up, and. You know, it's the only thing he has left to do is to go and try and find, you know, a settlement. And so I, I love that. And um, it added a great comedic moment too there for Finn, which he had a lot of them. And and when that thing blows up in front of him, <laughs> his reaction, I mean, John Boyega's reaction there is just fantastic. I got a question for you on this moment. I, I, didn't, I did not read it this way when I first watched the movie, but... Um, it was one of the subsequent viewings where, like, for some reason, with the crowd the way it was, um, that was like a big laugh line. Like, it was almost comedic timing. Did you read it that way? The explosion? It's, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm right there with you. It's very funny because a lot of people found that to be a kind of a hysterical scene. Yeah. And I, I think in some ways... It almost is supposed to work like that. I I think I think that's what they're going for. Uh, and even if they weren't, that's that's how I kind of read it. And I, I noticed that a lot of people, every time I would see the film, that was a place where you'd get a good hearty laugh. And so, um, and I, I think it's, I think it's one of those places where, it was helpful, in that scene because there wasn't a lot to really be laughing at. But, uh, it, it, yeah, so I just, I enjoyed it. Uh, I, I think that was a, I think it was a great addition. I mean, Can we all let me honest? ask you, Riley, That's the so wor- if, if there hadn't been an explosion, uh, do you think that there, you feel like that would be missing if it just got sunk into the sand and then, you know, there's no explosion? Uh, 
I don't know. It, it would it, the the moment would read very differently, um, and it would have almost been. You know, it's small. It's a small editing thing, but these things are so intentional the way they choose. If that weren't the case, I would imagine it would be sort of a a slow, somber, and even kind of desperate moment as like mm-hmm. the yeah. his ho- hope sinks with the actual ship itself. Yeah, to have the explosion <laughs> moment was is is kind of a to Star Warsy it up a little bit. I think. Um, mm-hmm. because that's one crappy day for Finn. Like, seriously. That's, Finn's terrible, not so good, very bad day. Exactly. In fact, I think that should, uh, that, if it's not, that should be like, <laughs> uh, if there's a Golden Books short story of The Force Awakens. It should be that. <laughs> uh, yeah, capped off just by being zapped by a tiny soccer ball droid. Yeah. Uh, oh, man, that was great. Uh, so the second thing that he had an influence on was the last scene that we get between Kylo and uh, Finn and Ray with the lightsaber battle. And, and he was watching that scene and he said, well, what if what if we had trees falling as they fight? And they said, well, I mean, we already shot the scene. So if you want to pay for it, then we can do it. So they did. <laughs> and so we get falling trees in that last scene. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, do you feel like that adds a lot to that scene or, I mean, would it have mattered to you if they hadn't cut some trees in half? Man, I see. Uh, is, is, is this what I'm thinking? What I'm thinking of is the moment that Ray, uh, cuts the branch and ducks through it, but I don't think that's not really falling trees. Are there like, just like, randomly falling trees in the background of that fight scene that yeah, I've never noticed. I, uh, maybe I need to go back and rewatch because I don't remember just, you know, random falling trees. I mean, I do remember them cutting a few trees because swinging the lightsabers around, but I, I didn't recall there being just there she blows kind of thing, you know, in the background. Uh, another one going. Uh, so yeah. Maybe I just maybe maybe we need to go back and rewatch it. Well, That's I, what they're trying to tell us. Which is why I I don't have my digital copy of the film right now. But uh, you know what I do have is YouTube and the power of YouTube, uh, where we get the full fight scene. All right, let's take a look. It's going to be a little quiet, so I'm just going to talk over it. Of course, the fa- this is the famous moment. This is the burning homestead uh, cue. Am I the only one? Just sorry, right, small aside while we're listening to this. Sorry, I'm getting sucked in here. Um, I like, I do, I like it, but oh, this was such a great opportunity to really hear Ray's theme come into the forefront, mm, like a well, full and, orchestral suite version. And that that could be a thing where, uh, when you watch later films, it's a cue about Ray. You know, uh, it, it, the music, John Williams. A lot of times, he's putting in little hints about what's going to come next or what that means about a character. So the fact that there's that connection between her and Luke, you know, you've already had that connection been building in the film until the very end. So that could come into play later on. Once we see eight, nine, we may go back and be like, Oh, that's what Williams was trying to tell us. Yeah. And now I'm looking at, it's definitely, there's, there's a couple moments right at the beginning when they first make contact before she cuts the branch or before she ducks through the sort of, um, ravine of sorts you know that that's right in the middle of the duel that they she kind of mm-hmm. cuts through and then jumps up and over very similar by the way to the ravine on Takodana when they encounter each other 
Oh just, yeah, just, yeah. Just with snow. I never thought about that. It's sort of like an echo structurally of the I wonder elk. if they just kind of copied that, you know, uh, landscape a little bit to, to give it that similarity. Yeah, I could I could see that. I could see that. Because they had just, I mean, they legitimately just built that as a set. So I wonder if they did that on purpose. That's a good question, man. Yeah, and then, yeah, definitely in some of these shots here, we're getting the camera shake. In fact, I, like, just take a quick listen here and you're going to remember the part. Here we go. Hear the, the rumbling, the cracking. Mm-hmm. That's as the kind of the uh, the rev- the volcanic crack opens up, yes. kind of behind them, right before, <laughs> right before he's like, "You need a teacher." Right before that, right before that moment. You know, I'll tell you what, man. Force Awakens is getting more and more quotable for me. Particularly, I don't know what it's something about Kylo Ren's line. We're not done yet. We're not done yet. That's one of my favorite. <laughs> yeah, he's very adamant in that scene. Like he's. he's- uh, yeah. I, well, I mean, he is in pain. So. Yeah. No, and I, I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> it took you a second. He's adamant. He's very adamant. All right. Sorry. It's a, oh, it's man. Easy. All right. Well, uh, yeah, it's an interesting a small detail that I honestly never noticed. I Like, I noticed the rumbling, and, and of course, I saw it in the background. I just never uh, thought too much about it. And it's interesting that Spielberg had that influence. But, of course, you know, that's not a surprise. We know that we've known what an influence he's been generally. Um, all right, let's talk some Rogue One. We well, is it wasn't it the other day? I mean, Bobby Roberts talking about the, I mean, the closest you'll ever get to a Star Wars movie made by Spielberg is The Force Awakens because he's true. such a, that's a good you point. know huge fan of Spielberg. I mean, that's kind of what he does. So, you know, I, in a lot of ways, I I completely agree with him. We got that opportunity to see what a Spielberg film would look like for yeah. Star Wars because that, that's kind of JJ's um, mo. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. All right, there's a piece here in Fansided that I wanted to, to pick up. It's Rogue One, a Star Wars story opens the door. Hear that? Hear that, folks? That sound? That's the sound of a door opening. I a, found them. Repeat, I, I, I found, found them. them. Uh, <laughs> a Marvel-like <laughs> cinematic universe. So as the release date grows near, excitement grows. The new installment's coming. It's, the excitement's at an all-time high. Um, and which I don't know if I agree with quite, we're working on it. The excitement's getting there. It's not, I don't know that it's at an all time high. Uh, all time high was freaking celebration Europe when, uh, when they spoiled the ending of the film. Uh, no, no, uh, <laughs> we won't go there, but, um, but I wanted to ask you, so do you think, is this make or break for a star Wars cinematic universe? Are they going for the straight up Marvel formula here? And by that, I mean very specifically, Matt, if Rogue One is a success, does that mean that they need, that they're going to go for a sort of, for lack of a better term, uh, cavalcade of heroes that will each be featured in their own, in, in their own kind of lead film, but with a very similar story structure? Because for all, as much as we love Marvel films, I think a fair critique of them is they all have a tendency to have a sort of bloated, over-self-important dude uh, with an <laughs> underwritten main female character who so interacts. True. There's some sort of event at the beginning of the movie that changed the trajectory, and then the movie, he goes on a personal journey, and in the ending, there's this all-consuming evil power who wants to take over the world for not a very well-explained reason, and the world will end if our hero does not uh, 
defeat the villain. The, the villain is defeated. And it works. It's great. It's great storytelling. When done well, it's a solid, fun, entertaining movie. There hasn't been a single Marvel Cinematic Universe film I haven't had fun watching. Uh, and and so many that are just beautifully written and done. However, like, is there a Star Wars formula that they think will repeat where you have your your hero, your re- rebellious hero that, that with a, you know, a, a team of uh, sidekicks takes on a big uh, imperial-like threat and there's a super weapon that has to be destroyed at the end. Is that, is, is that a thing that we start seeing in, in, the star, in, the, in, in the Star Wars, so to speak, cinematic universe? I, I think it's a good question since they're both owned by the same company now. But what, what I, I think is going to happen, it's funny, it just was talking on the um, 602 Club coming out this week. We were talking about Doctor Strange, mm-hmm. and yep, my yep. complaint about Doctor Strange was the fact that it feels very formulaic. It, uh, you know, And for a good Marvel movie to rise above the formula, it has to do something that you know feels special. And to me, that one didn't. I don't think they're going to do that with Star Wars. And, and the reason is, is this. I think that Star Wars has already done this kind of thing by practicing with the Clone Wars. And the Clone Wars were very much a collection of stories all threaded together loosely, but each one had, you know, a, a, a different feel and a different structure to it. They would copy, you know, different things and motifs from other films and that kind of stuff. So it's all within the same kind of adventure action serial genre. But, you know, you you might get the Zillow Beast Godzilla type film in one week. Mm -hmm. And the next week you might have um, a more political uh, machinations plot going on. The next week you might have a huge uh, mythology episode like a Mortis trilogy or something like that. So I I feel like that Star Wars already has a good template for how to do this. Yeah. It doesn't need to follow the Marvel formula. Actually, what it needs to do is to follow the Clone Wars formula and make mm, each film feel unique. Because I think that's one of the things that they said from the beginning is that the the story films were going to each have their own feel. And I think we already can see that with the difference between what one and what we'll get in the Han Solo film. Because Han Solo is being written by two guys known for comedies. You know, we're we're getting a Rogue One by Gareth Edwards, who's known for, you know, more serious war type, uh, apocalyptic type feeling. Yep. And mm-hmm. so I I think that to me is a smart idea because I personally get tired of the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. I like when things are different, and so to me, that's what's exciting about. The idea of the Star Wars stories each having their own feel. And, and to me, it's also what made the Clone Wars such an exciting series to watch because each week was a little bit different. It wasn't just more of the same, and it made it feel enjoyable to come in each week and watch something. They kind of captivated it. Every week felt fresh. You know, even if the storyline doesn't completely work, at least they were trying something different and new and, and stretching. And I think that's what I hope the, the Star Wars stories will do. Because uh, if we start going down the formula with, with um, Star Wars films, I think that really dilutes the power of Star Wars. Yeah, no, I like that. That's Because you're right, there is a formula in place. And that formula is uh, the Clone Wars and how we got mm-hmm. zombie episodes. Yeah, and we got you know like landing on Point Rain and so many others. Mm-hmm. So 
You know what? I just realized I think uh, I think on our recording version the music works, so that's what I've done. I've queued up our end music. That's right, folks. It puts another episode of Star Wars Tonight, episode 33, in the can. Uh, Matt, if you were going to title the Han Solo spinoff film and you had 10 seconds to decide, what would it be? Ladies and gentlemen, now I'm watching Matt. He's, he's when Han met Chewie. <laughs> well, there you go. When Han met Chewie. I mean, it, it's a simple Yeah, went, instead of when Harry met Sally, when Han met Chewie. <laughs> Nice, nice, nice. <laughs> Matt Rushing. Hey, love found... laughs a lifetime with a Wookiee. I mean, evidently, as Princess Leia discovered. <laughs> exactly. Folks, uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Matt Rushing, you can be found uh, at the 602 Club podcast, part of the Trek FM network. And, of course, on Twitter, it's at Matt Rushing 02. What are you guys up to on the 602 Club? Let know let folks know what they can check out. Over yeah, uh, we're we're doing Doctor Strange over there. Uh, we've been doing the Harry Potter films as we're working our way to uh, Fantastic Beasts is where to find them. Of course, we've got some great Star Wars stuff coming up again with the Catalyst book coming out. Of course, Rogue One. Uh, we've been working our way through Bond films. So, so much going on there. I uh, hope everybody will check it out. It's a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, if, if you love Star Wars and just two guys talking about it, make sure you check out Aggressive Negotiations. Of course. Uh, and, of course, that's on iTunes as well or at thenerdparty.com. And thank you so much, Riley. I, I, I really I really needed this today. It feels great. <laughs> so did I, man. So did I. No, thanks for coming on last minute and everything. Really appreciate it, sir, uh, as always, as always. And I'm sure we'll be seeing you circle back here before Rogue One is released as we uh, power on with Star Wars tonight. Big thank you to everybody who's supporting the podcast directly at patreon.com slash Star Wars Report. We really appreciate that. We got the Friday bonus show coming up, uh, so make sure you subscribe at any level, literally a penny, and uh, get access to our bonus content and support the show, which we do appreciate. And speaking of those supporting the show, we, uh, of course, want to thank our sponsor for this episode, uh, Geek Fuel. Make sure you head over to geekfuel.com slash Star Wars Report to check out their awesome service. Uh, of course, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at the Riley Guy, and of course, twitter.com slash Star Wars Tonight, and the email inbox is open. Finally, I have everything set up. Make sure you head over to uh, your email thoughts on uh, the Han Solo movie, on Rogue One, on Steven Spielberg. Now, let's say, what do you think a Steven Spielberg-directed Star Wars movie would be? Like, if, we, if it actually happened, which movie would it be? Like, do you want him to replace Colin Trevorrow? Uh, Trisha Barr would be happy. <laughs> we, we had that conversation on the Star Wars Report this week. Um, yeah, no, so absolutely. Send us an email. It's StarWarsTonight at gmail.com. That easy. StarWarsTonight at gmail.com. So that uh, brings a close to all of the uh, all of the plugs. I feel like, you know, there's always stuff I'm forgetting. I, don't, I, have, I have no notes, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but but I'm super excited. Like, stay tuned. We've got We're going to be live. Uh, even if it's like in random on audio and not video and stuff, but just make sure you stay tuned to our Twitter and uh, we'll be back tomorrow with Mark Herleman for the Thursday show. And next week, well, next week we've got uh, the return of Justin Robert Young. So that's it. May the force be with you. all Wow. Oh, wait, wait, hang on. Here, what? Wait for it. Mm. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Good
Good stuff, man. This uh, episode of the Star Wars Report, uh, the opinions only represent those of the hosts who do not represent Star Wars Tonight, the Star Wars Report, the Disney brand, uh, or Lucasfilm of any branch, particularly the Star Wars show. We do not represent the Star Wars show, just so you know. Just so you know. Remember, never make a deal with Jabba the Hutt. It ends in a very cold, cold experience. Oh, man. The the 8-bit Java flow life advice is... is uh, <laughs> I never thought that would stuff. be the shtick that we would go with, but it is. Oh, that's great, man. <laughs> all right, everybody in the live chat, really appreciate it. Uh, and I hope it all worked. Uh, I'm pretty sure everything kind of came through okay, so... That's always good, and uh, seriously, everybody in the chat, thanks so much, Jeremy, Stephanie, Sean was uh, swung by. Uh, seriously, guys, appreciate it, and we'll be back on, on the old Facebook Live, not tomorrow, but uh, but Monday. Uh, I'll be finally back in studio Monday, so. Uh, all right, man, I'll go ahead and hang up, and uh, I'll, I'll see if this uh, recording works okay. on... Um, I'll see if the recording worked on uh, Mixler, and if it didn't, I'll shoot you a note. Okay, yeah, let me know if you need my side. I've got it for you. And I'll Sweet. Upload it. All right, man. We'll talk hey, soon. Hey, have a great night. You too, sir. Bye-bye. Bye.